0: welcome to the Daily Decision Podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to men, men who are tired of chasing and finding emptiness, men who want to find true fulfillment in everything they do. In this podcast, you will learn to achieve success in the key areas of your life, physically, emotionally, in family, and in business. Remember, It all starts with a decision. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Daily Decision. I'm your host, Michael Chabot. Today, we have the great honor of having a wonderful and great friend of mine, Michael Davis. He's born and raised in Southern California. He has traveled a bit, but always called Ventura County his home. He's a dedicated husband to his best friend, April, and a father to five kids. Yes, guys, you heard that, five kids. Five kids. Brandon, Blake, Madeline, Sam, and Liam. He loves drawing and doing anything creative. Beginning at a very young age, he has pursued art his entire life, both as a hobby and professionally. Through hard work and a bit of luck, he earned an Emmy Award in 2005 for his role as a story artist, which he keeps displayed in his downstairs guest bathroom. Nah, not really, right? (laughs) He loves to be active, whether it's riding his road bike, playing ice hockey or surfing. His second love after his wife and kids is the ocean. Sitting alone in the surf is his safe place, his fortress of solitude. The ocean is where he goes to think and to do his soul searching. Oh yeah. And by the way, he's a stage three and stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer survivor. Guys, please help me in welcoming a really good friend of mine, Michael Davis. Thank you, Mike. What's up my friend?
1: uh it is a pleasure to be here it's an honor and uh you know you and i have been friends for over two decades now and at uh, least and uh it's uh, when i got the invite to to be a guest on the show uh, i couldn't say no it's wonderful to be here
0: well we're gonna have some fun today we are gonna roll up our sleeves and we're gonna do some work but we're gonna share your story and i think we're gonna educate and give a lot of people hope so thank you for being here so First and foremost, we talked about this before we got on the air, but let's talk about what are you doing to stay busy during this social distancing we're going through right now?
1: Well, that is uh, that's the challenge. you know this is uh, something that in our lifetimes we have not seen. and so uh, I think it's been a month and we as our, our family are just finding ourselves still in a time of transition where, we're getting used to what is this new normal and with a date coming from the news of, you know, we're not sure how long this is going to go prepare for at least another month. You know, the kids are uh, out of school and getting school from home and everybody's on zoom meetings. Everybody's doing their classwork at home with the distractions uh, of home. So it's, it's trying to sequester ourselves into bedrooms and, and stay, uh, you know, stay at the task at hand. Um, and then once, uh, those few hours uh, of schoolwork during the day are done, then it's okay. Well now what? And with the stay at home orders and, you know, a lot of places just simply closed, uh, the options are, uh, you know, not too many. Uh, so, you know, luckily, uh, where we live, we have a, uh, a park that we can walk to. Uh, we have a basketball hoop that, you know, the kids can go outside and, and shoot hoops, uh, skateboards, bikes, things like that. Uh, you know, we try not to lean on the, the video entertainment too much. You know, of course, we got movies, we have video games, things like that, but we try and reserve those for the evening. Um, but uh, it's, it's just, uh, you know, going outside and, and trying to, you know, ride bikes. Uh, you know, our, our daughter Madeline uh, rides a horse, so i uh, have been going to the ranch uh, with her the last few days just to get out, stretch the legs, you know, get some get some blood flowing, get some air in the lungs and uh, and just enjoy being outside. But it's tough. It's tough. You know, you, I think what I've realized uh, with all of this is just how much of the day uh, was you, know, uh, you go to work and you've got eight hours there for me personally. Uh, And then you come home and you've got dinner and you've got, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a process there. There's a, you know, there's an order to things. And so you hear people say, Oh gosh, you know, if there were only more hours in the day, well, now we've got all those hours in the day. It's hard to fill. It's hard to fill. So we're, we're doing our best to stay busy. And that's, uh, that's kind of what we're doing.
0: Yeah. I I love that. And you know, it's a, It's interesting. A lot of people I've talked to have said, you know, they've gained a little bit of weight, even though they're staying active. And, you know, I have a gym in my house. I have a morning routine. Like I've been staying active, but even I've put on a couple of pounds because, you know, at work I stick to a very strict diet, you know, and here you can always, you know, my kids grab something. I'm like, oh, let me have one. Oh, let me grab one. Are you finding that happening to you Actually, too? Actually, uh, I,
1: about two weeks before all of this stuff happened, uh, I had started doing that P90X program. I've been, play- I've been nice. playing hockey. I've been getting back. Uh, and I only play once a week. And so you know, coming from uh, trying to just rebuild my strength slowly but surely after uh, you know, everything that I went through, um, I wanted to be able to perform better on the ice and just kind of skate to, uh, to a level that I was used to you know, uh, years ago and uh you know you provided a little inspiration with you know your working out and uh you know i uh started to pursue that a bit went into the garage grabbed the old dvd set and uh you know started doing those every morning before work at much to the chagrin of my wife i was up at 3:34 o'clock in the morning knock out the workout wow. take a shower make my breakfast protein shake get off to work uh and so when everything kind of came crashing down and we couldn't leave, that was one of my, uh, one of my concerns was, oh man, this is, this is really going to be tough now. Uh, So, you know, the rink is closed. So we're not even playing hockey. We're not going anywhere. Uh, And so I've been, uh, I have stayed the course uh, and I've taken a few, few days here and there. It hasn't been as consistent, but you know, this morning I woke up, I was, you know, doing my, my daily workout, just trying to, Avoid the donuts and the cookies. You know, April is a fantastic uh, baker, so she's making really delicious things to eat. And so, you know, I, I partake, and uh, you know, if I gain a pound or two here or there, that's that's no big deal. But I am I am trying to stay on some sort of a regimen because I think it's definitely, especially at a time like this where we're we have to be at home, it's easy to at night turn on that Netflix movie and you know grab a you know whatever whatever treat is, uh, is around and, you know, rinse and repeat, you know, after five, six nights, you know, it tends to add up.
0: Yeah. Especially cause we're not as young oh, as we used to be. So the body slows down a little bit.
1: True that my friend. Yeah, absolutely.
0: My wife like yours is a, is a master baker. And so I had to tell her this week, I'm like, slow down <laughs> on that stuff. Because like you said, I mean, And, you know, you bring up something really um, important, which is, so you started a morning routine and I want you to share with my listeners how you feel once that's completed. Like, yeah, it's hard when you first start out getting up at five, four, whatever crazy time in the morning you wake up. But as you build the habit, just share a little bit about how that feels. Well,
1: I, uh, you know, I, I, I started out and just like you said, it's tough especially if you're doing it early in the morning, your bed's nice and warm, the alarm goes off, it feels like you just closed your eyes. And uh, to get that motivation to get out of bed, walk on a cold floor, put the DVD in and just get your body moving, uh, it's tough. And it is certainly easy to tell yourself, "Ah, I don't really want to do this. I don't feel like doing this. You know, Yeah, it was a good couple of days. But uh, as I continued to do it, and got through the first week, which was probably the most difficult, only because my body was not used to that level of activity. I was extremely sore, uh, and so I had to kind of let myself recover a bit. Once I got past that hump uh, and getting up every morning, completing the workouts, there was a sense of accomplishment there. Uh, There was okay, I'm sticking to this, and I just started feeling really good. Uh, it, it, it was a great start to my day, um, and I started getting uh, you know, a lot of gratification just from seeing the results uh, in the mirror and then feeling good, uh, knowing that I was up and being productive and uh, sticking to something that I had committed to doing uh, just for me personally. And, uh, so it's, it, it's now become a part of my routine where as funny as it sounds, I actually miss it if I don't do it. Uh, and I feel that there's that, that loss of, man, I, I didn't work out today or I didn't get up and do my cardio or I didn't, you know, just, and it's, you know, 45 minutes, it's a little chunk of the day. And that's what I tell myself, because there are still mornings where I wake up and I don't want to do it. And then I think, yeah, you know it's 45 minutes. I can do that. I can do this just get up. And then once, once I'm 20, 30 minutes into it, I'm in my groove, I'm moving. And then before I know it, it's done and I'm on to the rest of my day and I feel good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I tell everybody, it's really one of the best ways to beat the Monday morning blues, you know, because we all get them no matter how driven, how focused, sometimes we feel, uh and then you lean on that routine. By the time you're done, you're like, all right, it's Monday. So what? I've already attacked mm-hmm. this day. I'm ready. Let's go. Absolutely, Right? And so you drop so many important nuggets there, which is about building confidence, about building self-love, about building momentum, about how it gets easier every day as you take one step further. And yeah, I mean, God, I've been doing it now for over a year and I still have mornings where I'm like, ugh. And then I say, Nope, I've made a decision and a commitment. Let's go.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. All
0: right. So let's roll up our sleeves now and get deep. Okay. Because this is, this is going to get deep, but this is such an important conversation to have. And I want to talk about your cancer journey. I want to talk about, you know, all of it, the fear, the emotions, the support, the dedication, the belief, the commitment, um, you know, guys, you you at home listening, when you hear this story, you will be inspired. And um, before we get into it, I will say, and I shared this in one episode, but this is the gentleman that I talked about when we hadn't seen each other in a long time. We've been friends, I think, since Mike was a teenager. And um, we hadn't seen each other in a long time. And we saw each other in the locker room at hockey. And we shared this hug that was probably like a minute long and there wasn't a lot of conversation, but it was, it was love. It was support. It was just everything because we knew what each other has been through. And it was a moment that for me mm-hmm. was very special. So let's just talk about from the very beginning, you know, when you found out you had cancer, what went through your mind? And then let's just kind of break down the steps, the, the steps forward, the steps backwards. So you know, you how old were we were you, excuse me, so when you first I got am, diagnosed? Uh
1: forty-one now. I'll be forty two in June. So this was two thousand sixteen. So I was in my late thirties and uh I had been dating uh April for a couple of years. We had met in twenty fifteen, uh and you know, we were enjoying each other's company. Uh, she had her kids i had mine and you know we dated a couple years and decided to get married and so we got married in july of 2016 and we moved in together a beautiful house in thousand oaks uh, very blessed and by september of 2016 i started losing weight and i was having night sweats I was waking up at odd hours of the evening with back pain, um, and just not feeling right, uh, feeling off. And for a few months, uh, you know, earlier on, when we were seeing each other, I actually had a lump uh, that was growing under my left armpit, and like a typical guy, mm. it was ah, you know what I know that's not normal. But I'm just going to ignore it because it's not really affecting anything that I do during my day. I'm still operational. Uh, so I'm just going to ride this out. I'm sure it will go away on its own. And, of course, uh, April being my biggest advocate for, for health, and you know, she wants to keep me around. She says, you know, you need to get this checked out. And uh, so I did. I went. I saw my doctor. And he took a look at it. And he said, yeah, you know, I think uh, this is just a virus and your body's caught. This is where your lymph nodes are located. You've got some under your arms, you've got some in your neck, uh, and it's just caught something. And this is kind of where it collects everything to cleanse it and remove it from the body. And if this doesn't go away in six weeks, come back and see me again, and we'll we'll go from there. And so I did. And it actually, eventually it did go down. Uh, and so I kind of forgot about it. So flashback forward again, uh, we just get married. And then within three months I start losing weight. And I think at the time I weighed about, I was about 200, 210 pounds. Uh, and then from September to November, I had lost 30 pounds and I wasn't working out a lot. I was trying to be active. Uh, but, uh, it was just, it's, it came off really without even trying. And so uh, Thanksgiving came around and I was extremely thin and I just did not look healthy. And uh, family members had asked some questions around the Thanksgiving dinner table. And, you know, was Mike okay? What's going on? And, you know, uh, I hadn't yet got checked out. And so we waited through the holidays and, uh, early that next year in 2017, uh, I finally went to the doctor and we got some blood work done and we were not really sure what to expect. Um, you know, I didn't feel sick. I, other than the weight loss, uh, and the night sweats, um, you know, I had dealt with some back pain, but I thought because I was lifting some weights, I thought, oh, maybe I just pulled the muscle, maybe something, uh, you know, had, I just, something was out of alignment. I tweaked something and we Hmm. went back to the doctor's office and he sat April and I down and he kind of looked at his monitor for a second. I could still see it in my head like it happened yesterday. And, uh, he looks over and he says, well, you have cancer. And immediately, my, my whole world changed. Um, I stopped focusing, I wasn't hearing anything else he was saying, and April was already holding my hand, and she just squeezed it as tight as she could, and she leaned over and she said, "Honey, I've got this. I will take notes. I will listen. We'll deal with this after we will we will do this. I'm just as brave." as I've ever seen her, uh, it was not the news that I expected. And uh, it was at that point that my, you know, our entire world changed. And so he said, uh, you've got cancer. It is a stage 3B Hodgkin's lymphoma, which essentially the the stage 3B means that uh, it's on the left side of my body and it has taken hold of, uh, my lymphatic system, which was, turns out it was the lump. And, uh, he immediately recommended six months, uh, of a chemotherapy regimen that I would start, uh, immediately. And the only thing that I had to do before then was get, uh, was get a biopsy just to make sure that it was what they thought it was, um, and that there wasn't anything else going on. So I did the biopsy, we got the confirmation and in May of 2017, not even six months into my, my marriage uh, and new life, I'm going in and I'm getting chemotherapy uh, twice a week, or uh, I'm sorry, twice a month, I'm going out every two weeks. So uh, I started on a program uh, with, uh, with ABVD and so that's an acronym for uh, you know your different chemotherapy drugs, uh, adriamycin, uh, different names uh, that uh, that uh, are all absolutely horrible. Uh, it is probably one of the worst things I think, if not the worst thing that I've ever had to do. Uh, to that point, it it just blew my mind that you are fighting something that is trying to kill you with something that is also killing you. And, uh, at, you know, it's, it's the, the, lesser of two evils. And so, uh, we did that, we did that for six months and that was, that was a tough six months, uh, for me personally, but also for April as well, because it was, it was my journey but it was also hers. Uh, She was with me every minute of every day Mm. and she jumped right in. And, you know, I had this thing that I was dealing with, uh, but life didn't stop. We still had five kids. I still had a job. She had a home uh, and we needed money coming in. We needed, you know, it's, this was one other thing to tack on. And, uh, it was uh, It was a challenge for both of us, and uh, i was I was very, very mm-hmm. sick. I would go in and I would do an infusion on a Monday, um, which were about six hours uh, in the chair. You get four different you know ingredients in your cocktail, and then you go home and the rest of that week is just recovery. And then you do another week where your body's kind of flushing stuff out. And then you go in for another week and you do it all over again. So uh, just a, just a, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of focus, uh, a lot of, a lot of knowing uh, that there was no other choice. You know, it was, uh, it was not an option for us when we got the news to not get the treatment. We we sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Sorry. I whew, sorry. Um first of all, when you talked about how when when your doctor said you have cancer and you just kind of stopped hearing and, and your wife grabbed your hand and like that brought me to tears. Just her love, her support. That's amazing. But what I really want to focus on is so what are you thinking? I want to tap into that. Like, what are your thoughts? Are you thinking I'm going to die? Are you thinking in that moment, there's no way I'm going to let this beat me? You know, talk about the mindset. Talk about what was going on it, inside initially it Michael was Davis's head.
1: Uh, I was in my late thirties. We had no history of cancer in the family, um, you know, immediate family. And after everything kind of sank in, few minutes goes by, I, I, immediately start thinking, uh, what, what have I done? You know, what, what questionable decision did I make? What did I, uh, do in the past that may have led to this? Um, and then it was, okay, this is, this is a fight now. Uh, I am not going to go without a fight. Uh, because you know every 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 cancer diagnosis comes with uh, you know that uh, that possibility that you may not make it. Uh, but uh, to answer your question, it was immediately okay. What do I have to do? How am I going to get through this? And let's let's do it. And so when the when the doctor gave me my marching orders. I said, okay. And I knew, I knew it was going to be tough. I didn't know how tough it was going to be, but the alternative was, I don't get treatment and this does take my life. So we got to do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I know that sure. you are a godly man. Can we talk about uh, it your was, faith uh, in these moments? It
1: comes with questions. You know, it, you you grow up. I grew up in a in a very uh, you know Christian home. Both my parents, and uh, you grow up hearing you know, everything happens for a reason, and you know he has a plan, and use this as a as a learning experience. And this is you know something that's happened that's going to teach you. Some sort of life lesson that you can take with you and uh, there was some uh, there, there was there was some some remorse there was some some anger uh, you know there I think admittedly for me it was well what kind of lesson am I going to learn from this? I say that now, hindsight being twenty twenty I can see the lessons now, but at the time uh, it was well why why would I why would I have something like this now? And why is this happening to me now? And what sort of? You know, I just got married. I, we had a new family. Things were going on the right track, uh, and uh, now this. And so, it was. It was one of those things where I had no choice but to fight, and I also had no choice but to just throw my hands up, just give up and say, okay, uh, this is all right. I am, I am no longer in control of anything. I'm just going to do what, what I have to do. And, uh, and, and, and I, I wrestled, I struggled, I struggled with it for, for a long
0: time. Yeah. I think that's important for people to hear because I mean I've known you for a long time and you've always talked about your faith and how you were raised and I think it's important for people to hear that even those that were raised with strong belief and strong faith that you have anger with God, you have Absolutely. doubt with God when things like this happen. And you know, through my journey and I want this to be about you but through my journey, you know, I went through all the same things, anger, why and then I, I turned the corner in a moment and leaned heavily into my faith. So, all right. So, let's go back to, right. you know, uh, so you're going months. through chemo, right? Six and months. you said it was what, six weeks? Six months, excuse me. So, you do the six months of I chemo. Did, and I you, you journaled ideas? this whole journey uh, via April Instagram, actually,
1: right? It was uh, to start a, a Instagram channel that kind of would allow me to chronicle uh, the day-to-day and how I was feeling uh, more as a way to allow the family members at large to be able to check in without having to check in with me personally. Uh, And so she helped me get that set up and we came up with a name together and uh, she uh, would help me, you know, kind of get that off the ground because I wasn't versed so well in in Instagram at the time. And uh, it turned into uh, something that people were following, but it also turned into something uh, that was great for me to be able to get my feelings out and let my family know how I was doing and just kind of put my ideas out there and my thoughts out there. And the more people that found that, uh, that Instagram page that were either cancer survivors or going through cancer themselves, uh, not even necessarily the same type, but just, uh, it proved to be this community, uh, where people that the support that flowed in, uh, was incredible. And, uh, so I, I, I enjoyed doing that and it turned into, uh, it turned into something that, uh, added support, but it gave me something to do as well. And so I found when I was in the hospital, I'd take a picture, I'd uh, make a drawing or I'd be out on a walk in the hallway um, and, uh, you know, be able to to post that or post a picture and then people come back and, oh man, that's great. You're doing awesome. You know, keep fighting. And, uh, oh, I just did that. And, you know, people have their their different perspectives and their views as well. And so it was, uh, it was really, it, it was great in that, Uh, I was receiving as much support uh, as I was giving and, and knowledge uh, just, you know, hearing about what other people were going through as well.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful story. I've, I've, you shared it with me and I went through it all and it, it helped me in my journey because, you know, when you shared it with me and I went through it and I watched it and I looked at it, I mean, I was in tears and I thought to myself, "Man, am I a selfish son of a bitch? Like, look what this guy has gone through, and remained hopeful." I mean, there were moments I know that that you were feeling very bad, but yet you were smiling, you were being, you know, you were uplifting, you were well, being hopeful. I mean, it's pretty damn impressive.
1: I appreciate your words, Mike. Um, you know, one of the one of the things that April would talked to me about was, you know, well, you know, some of these you know, pictures you're going through something that is incredibly difficult and you're smiling in every single one, and maybe we're not conveying exactly how serious this is with some of this stuff. And, you know, I thought oh, there's, there's definitely some truth to that, but at the same time, I think smiling for pictures and trying to remain positive uh, is just something in my nature. And so it was hard for me uh, to do anything but that. And I think, you know, if if that helped, um, you know, give other people hope and, and and see that, man, you know, this guy can go through something like this uh, and still find some reason to smile, or you know, keep a sense of humor, or do a funny drawing, or you know, say something comical. Then, shoot, you know, maybe maybe we can do the same thing. And it was, yeah, it was it was tough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was it's it's a beautiful journey and I'll share it in the show notes here so that anybody who wants to check it out and you know walk through it with you um, I highly recommend it. So let's talk about so you have stage 3, right? You do 6 uh, months. I did not. So talk about I did not beat stage 3. You beat stage 3, right?
1: So 6 months of chemotherapy. Okay. So talk uh, is us through completed. it. And the doctor had me wait about a month uh, after the treatments completed to get a uh, CT scan. And so I went in and I got my scan and the results came back and it was his, his response was, well, we've seen some progress in a few areas, but there are still some things that kind of make me nervous. I want to get these things checked out. So we were, you know, I say we, April and I, uh, still hopeful, still doing our best to, to remain positive. But of course, this wasn't the news that we were hoping for. Of, you did it, it's clear, clean scan. You're good to go. Good job. Live your life. Uh, and so we did get the scan, did more blood work and the results came back. About a month later, and uh, it was stage four. It was official stage four Hodgkin's lymphoma, and so that immediately that that was a very dark uh, diagnosis. Only because I thought to myself, "Well, shoot! I mean, what what more can I do?" I did the chemotherapy. Uh, I, 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 battled through all of this, you know, April came mm-hmm. with me, the kids came with me. I, I you know, I, 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 don't know, I don't know what else, what else I can do. And, uh, when I was diagnosed the first time I was a first time, you know, cancer patient when it comes back, I immediately entered a small percentage category where I'm now considered a recurred cancer patient and which made me eligible eligible for a stem cell transplant. And so that is what they recommended. Uh, The doctor, the oncologist that I was seeing conferred with a few of his other colleagues and he got back to me and said, all right, um, we're going to go to an even fiercer uh, chemotherapy regimen. And you're going to do, at the end of this chemotherapy, uh, a stem cell transplant. So the six months of chemotherapy that I had done before was a, a walk in the park compared to what I was looking at now. Instead of going into a nice, cushy infusion center with a, an easy chair and my laptop and my video games and a nice nurse coming by to bring me crackers and and juice. Um, I was looking at three to four days uh, in the hospital uh, with chemotherapy uh, and twenty four hour uh, you know monitoring staff uh, to come by to make sure that everything was okay. Um, and uh, so I did a few different uh, a few different uh, hospital visits. And everything was working up to this stem cell transplant. And so the process of a stem cell transplant um, is two parts. There's chemotherapy and then there's full body radiation. And so the chemotherapy is a concoction of extremely strong drugs that are meant to absolutely obliterate uh, every single white blood cell that you have in your body. And when they put that in conjunction with full body radiation, they're essentially blowing out all of the white blood cells and then all of your bone marrow. And that allows uh, for them to take stem cells uh, out of the bone marrow and collect them, uh, and then put them back uh, into your body once uh, once you're deemed clean. So, I had uh, received enough chemotherapy where I had gotten to a stage where the doctors felt it was safe to take the stem cells out of me, and uh, that process is uh, kind of like a uh, kind of like a blood transfusion, where uh, you know I had to get a port. Uh, put into my put into my chest with a hose that goes directly into my heart, uh, and then they had two two tubes that come out of it stick right out of the skin. When it wasn't in use, it was just kind of taped to the side of my body. and uh, they you know would hook me up to these tubes in this kind of dialysis machine, and they would draw blood out of my body and collect it. And it separated through some process, uh, separated the stem cells from the from the blood, and then they put the blood back in. Uh, once they had the stem cells, once they had enough, uh, they would put that away and you know freeze it and, and preserve it. And then that's what started my uh, chemotherapy, my my secondary chemotherapy, and all of my radiation. So they had uh, they had what they needed, and then they just essentially send me to the, they send me to the, uh, you know, to the point, uh, almost the brink of where I have absolutely no immune system. I have no way to fight any infection. Um, they, they put you in a wing of the hospital where, um, normal standard visitors are not allowed. Uh, you have to wear masks. You just anything they can do to keep the area clean. Only because, um, you know, everybody receiving these types of treatments um, are just susceptible to just anything. And, uh, and I did that. I was in the hospital for six weeks when I started doing that. I did, uh, I did a total of 26 rounds of chemotherapy. Uh, wow. I did 12 rounds of, uh, of full body radiation. And so they would come and they would get me in the morning. Uh, And they wheel me down to where they had this big radiation machine uh, in the basement. Uh, This was at uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, UCLA in Santa Monica. And um, I would do 10 minutes of full body radiation. And I'd do 10 minutes on one side of my body, 10 minutes on the other side. uh, And they shot everything except my lungs. And uh, so that was an interesting process because I had to go in and, they drew these uh, patterns on my chest to ensure that they put these lead blocks uh you know just just positioned where my lungs were so that they didn't hit the lungs, but everything else was fair game. And uh and so I did that uh twice a day uh until I hit until I hit my twelve uh with the chemotherapy going. So I'd I'd come back up after my radiation and the nurses would meet me there. And, uh, you know, you're okay. Everything good, everything good. And then they come in and I would just do another round of chemotherapy and it was rinse and repeat for six weeks. I was there, uh, doing all that. And, uh, that was, uh, that was tough. <clears throat> uh,
0: okay. So, Wow. I'm on the brink of tears just listening to what you had to go through. But what I want to talk about is the mental part of it. Most people would give up. Most people would quit. Most people would throw in the towel. How did you, how did you stay strong me, mentally? How did you continue to believe? My, how did you fight through my it? My approach
1: was I'm not going to give up. If there's something that I can do to try and beat this, I'm going to do it. I had a family and I had a wife, and I wasn't about to give up on them. Uh, You know, there was the other side of the reality that I was looking at where, okay, I may not make it through this. And I actually did uh, write notes to each of the kids uh, as kind of a goodbye letter, you know, uh, a post. Dad saying goodbye. Here's some life lessons. Here's what I've learned. Uh, you know, letters, which was pretty, pretty surreal. Uh, having to do something like that, you know, in the event that that I didn't make it. Um, but uh, you know, there were there were times when yeah. I did think about, man, and if this doesn't work, what then? You know, uh, if, if this, if this doesn't do the trick, I mean, what, what other option would I have, you know, and I don't think quit was ever, was ever an option for me. It was, it, it, it got extremely difficult and I think that it was, I think it was the it was my kids and uh, and my wife that uh, you know gave me the gave me the strength to to continue. Uh, I didn't want to give up on them. I didn't want to give up on myself. Um and I just uh, I didn't want to leave any stone unturned. You know, with uh you know with, with regard to, you know, well maybe if I had done this or maybe if I had gotten that treatment Um, you know, it was just, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that I did everything. You know, she she used to April, April would come into the, come into the, come into the room and she'd spend nights there. And and then, uh, you know, we'd talk a lot on the phone when she was away and she'd always say, she says, you know, you're going to do this and you're going to beat this because if you don't, I am going to kill you. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, we, we tried uh, to, uh, to really keep a, a, a good sense of humor about everything. And, and we joked a lot about the way I was feeling and the way I looked and my hair loss and um, just, I mean, all of, the, all of the horrible things that come with it. Um, she was a huge support. I think if I had to go through something like that alone, um, it would have been a much different story. It would have been a lot more difficult
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there's a couple things. Um, one, I know that God put her in your path, in your life for this exact reason. There's no doubt in my mind. Um, but I want to talk about something here because we talked about at the beginning about your morning routine, about your workouts, how some mornings you don't want to get up and go to the gym like the rest of us. How the hell, when you're standing at the base of Mount Everest of stage four, Hodgkin's lymphoma, and you know that you've got to do all this stuff and you're in the middle of it, let's say the middle of the climb. How do you push through those moments when you say, and maybe you answered it, I apologize, but how do you push through those moments Uh, when you say like, I can't do this. I can't do another round. I I can't do any more radiation. Like I thought, how do you push yourself through that?
1: Where my limits were before I had to do any of this. Um, Before I was scared of needles, I didn't like going to the dentist. I didn't, you know, I, I just, I was very timid about a lot of things, uh, the unknown. Uh, and after this, after seeing what I could do and what my body was capable of, of just enduring and putting up with, I think, I mean, it's, I don't know how how this sounds, but there was, there was a lot of just not thinking, how am I going to do this? I just, I, I would put it out of my head and just endure. Um, you know, I got very, um, I got very tired of being at the hospital. I put my nursing staff to the test. Uh, I was irritable, a lot just because I was feeling so horrible. Um, I was on a strict diet of, I can only eat certain things. It all had to be prepared food. Um, And I couldn't take a bath alone. I had to have someone draw a bath for me. I had to, uh, you know, get sick after my radiation treatments and get sick after the chemotherapy. And uh, just, I mean, I, I, Feeling so terrible. Um, looking up, like you say, at that Mount Everest. I mean, it was. It was. I think if I had if I had tried to focus on the largest picture itself, I think that would have been absolutely daunting. And I think how I ended up getting through it was literally just breaking it down to hours in a day. Okay. It's 11. I got to make it to 12. Okay. It's 12. I got to make it to one. And I did that. And okay. They're coming to get me for my, my, my radiation. Okay. I just got to make it through that. Okay. They're bringing me back. I can sleep for an hour. And, uh, you know, it was, it was just doing it in those baby steps that, allowed me to progress, you know, through that, through that journey.
0: Man, I love that. It's, um, it's how I've gotten through the loss of my daughter. One step, one moment, one breath at a time. And like you said, if you look at the big picture, it becomes overwhelming. You break it down into small steps. There's a book that I've read that I highly recommend. If you haven't read it, it's called can't hurt me by David Goggins. He is a Navy SEAL, uh, went through buds, which is the Navy SEAL training camp four times, uh, Delta force training. This guy has run ultra marathons. Um, my point being is that you brought up something that I love, which is you said, you know you didn't think you could ever go this far, right? Past your limits. And what he says is that most human beings operate at 40% of their capacity, right? Because our brain tells us, eh, don't get out of bed. It's warm. Don't do that extra pull up. It hurts. And so you learn to train your mind to do more, to be tougher, to be stronger. So man, so many good pieces of information there but i don't want to go away from your story so i want to i want us to get to the end of this not this interview but the end of your story your treatments so you're going through hell literally um, going through hell i think
1: hell. the first sign of hope
0: so was at the completion when did you have the first sign of hope
1: and the completion of the the chemotherapy i got my stem cells back and at that point then everything was done. Uh, I was still, you know, needing to be uh, in the hospital uh, and they had these milestones that I needed to reach with regard to, uh, you know, your, your absolute neutrophil count has to be at this number. Your white blood cells need to be at this number. We want to make sure that your body is healthy enough before we let you go and, you know, see how, see how it is you're doing. And it felt so good just to be able to be past all of that, uh, you know, all of that, that difficulty and have nothing to do but just lay and rest and not have nurses coming in every hour through the, through the night, changing out my tubes and looking at me and looking in my eyes and touching my you know, body everywhere is just kind of be able to relax and try and start recovering. And I think the first glimmer of hope was, uh, the first scan that I did. And we waited about three months. They wanted to make sure that my body had enough time to, you know, reintegrate the stem cells that they put back in, allow the body to, you know, start growing more of those, um, And, uh, so I got the, I got the scan back and it was, I think we did it. I think we did this, Mike, I think you're good. And, uh, that was, that was the best news I think that we've had. We had battled for two years straight of, uh, of doing, you know, the cancer and and the chemo and and the radiation, everything culminated into a oh six-week stay at the hospital. And, you know, I, I told the staff, uh, I said, you know, I've, I've gotten through this. I've done this. This has been the worst thing, but I'm still here and I'm still a fighter. And one of the milestones uh, that they wanted me to hit was uh, they needed to see an absolute neutrophil count of 0.9. And so I said, well, how long is that going to take? And I said, Well, it, could, it just depends on how fast your body recovers, how strong you are. Uh, the fastest person that we've had, the record was 14 days. And I said, Okay, uh, well, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in less than 10. And I have no control over this. You know, it's it's just it's something that I just said. Uh, I ended up doing it in nine. I ended up doing it in nine days. So that I think was a glimmer of hope and just my body seemed to be recovering well. It seemed to be bouncing back. They were all flabbergasted, uh, but then happy as well. Uh, And so it just, it continued to go up from there. And so uh, it's been, uh, you know, it's been, it's been still quite, quite a ride. Uh, And uh, the road to recovery uh, after something like that uh, happens in those same baby steps and your body is literally broken down to just almost nothing. And so uh, getting up and and taking walks is something very hard to do. You got to stop and get your air. You got to, you know, know your limits. Um, But that I was able to do those things. And when I finally got discharged and when I was finally able to come home and when the blood work kept coming back. You're good. These are looking good. These numbers are looking good. You know, they're still early on. They're still below what, what a normal person would show, but they're, they're on the uptick. And, um, it's been, uh, it's been a little over a year and a half, uh, since I got my clean scan result, my first clean scan result, I've had uh, two more scans in between those and, uh, those have come back clean as well. And uh, we just, you know, uh, I, I, take, I take one day at a time and I think I am a completely different person now than I was before I started this. I think that this type, talking about, you know, life lessons uh, earlier, I think that this experience has taught me to find the positive positive. Uh, in the smallest of things and appreciate every, every moment that I have um, to, uh, you know, find the importance mm-hmm. in things that I think I may have been taking for granted before um, because there are, no, there are no certainties. And I, I live in a world now where I am a cancer survivor But the possibility of the cancer coming back uh, or a secondary cancer due to all of the radiation and all of the chemotherapy uh, is also a very real reality. And so I can either live in a world where I become this uncontrollable hypochondriac and I don't go out, I don't do anything, and I don't live, or every morning when my eyes open, it's another day I've got. And so it's, it's another day to, to, to make a difference, to stick with the commitments that I've made, uh, the commitment to my kids, to my wife, to my job, to my workout regimen, to anything. Um, so that when my head hits the pillow at night, I know, okay, I used, I used that time wisely. Uh, and you know, if I get, uh, if I get the news the next day, uh, then I, then I tackle that and I, and I do it, but I don't, I do my best to not live in that fear. Um, I have no control over that. It does me no good to, to worry about those things that I don't have any control over. And so, uh, you know, I, I hug my kids a bit, a bit tighter. You know, I kiss my wife a a bit longer. Uh, I, try and just uh, like I said again find the joy uh, in in places where I think I overlooked them for 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 years and uh... yeah
0: yeah I think it's easy to do that I think we're all guilty of it I think, unfortunately, some of us in life have moments like you've had, moments like I've had that change your entire perspective. Um, I love that you talk about fear. And you know, while you were telling your story about being in the hospital for six weeks and you're quarantined, literally quarantined because you have no white blood cells so. in your body. And you remained hopeful and you made it through. And yet here we are quarantined in our houses. We're on about day 30 right now. Yeah. And a lot of people are complaining about it. A lot of people are fearful. A lot of people are feeling all these feelings. And I look at somebody like you and what you've been through and I'm like, "Shh, this is a walk in the park, man." We've got internet, yeah, we've got um, Netflix, you know, we've, got that books, that we've got books, we've got you know, fresh air outside to walk in
1: our neighborhoods. That uh, that I've gained through this experience. Talk about that a little, a little bit. bit. Things that may have seemed like such uh, such a hardship before, or uh, an insurmountable task. Now, my approach to almost everything in life is, I can do this. This is no big deal, you know, because of where I've been, because of what I've done. I, I got this, um, and uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it has certainly uh, given me a, a, a. a uh, an empowering, uh, feeling, uh, just to, to know where i have been that, you know, sitting at home, being on this countrywide lockdown, and we've got five kids running around, you know, everyone's got cabin fever. They're driving us nuts. We're pulling our hair out, but you know, I, I can, I can, I can stop and realign and take a deep breath and, and know, from personal experience, it could always be worse. It has been worse, and man, this is nowhere near rock bottom. And so we will. Oh, I can. I can do this. We can do this.
0: Amen, brother. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. You said something that I. For sure live by, which is, you know, every morning. So part of my morning routine, as my listeners know, I journal. And the first thing that I write in my journal every morning is, thank you, God, for blessing me for with another day, right? Because I know after losing my daughter that life is precious and every day is a blessing. Yes, it's not a given. Absolutely. And, and you got I, to make the most of it. Now, there are days when anybody- I don't. And that's okay. This, uh, I'm sure the there are days when you don't either, but you wake I've up the next morning through, and you try better, right? Uh,
1: an incredibly magical transformation where, you know, nothing is difficult for me now emotionally, and I don't still struggle with things. I and mean, that's, that is absolutely beyond the truth. Uh, I still struggle with things and, uh, you know, I still, uh, can get frustrated at, at the small things, but it's, I think it's just having that, that perspective of, of, having uh, been where I've been on the path that I've walked and uh, having overcome that 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 allows me to take a second take a breath realign and um and uh you know just find that positive um you know and and not feel bad when I may I may miss a day or you know I may stumble somewhere um, because I've got another day, yeah. like you said, to do it better, to be better. That, uh, that's a great thing. That's a great gift.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a book I talk about a lot. It's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. And he went, he was in five different concentration camps during the Holocaust and, um, lost his family, you know, his wife, his children, and yet somehow he still found hope and meaning through all of it. But also the point I want to make is that I think it's so important for my listeners to hear, like you were facing the darkest of darkness, And yet you remained hopeful. And in in Victor's book that he talks about, he says, you know, there were people you could tell the moment they lost hope and they could always predict, like as soon as somebody lost hope and they stopped fighting, within 72 hours, they passed away from nothing. They ended up deeming it broken heart syndrome. And I think it's so important for everybody to listen, which is you have a decision, right? You have a decision. You made the decision to fight, to find hope, to push and believe. And that, if you're going through this now with COVID-19 and you're scared and you're fearful and you're hopeless, you can do it. You can find hope. If Mike can do it, and we call each other Mike, even though we're both Michael, but we've known each other for so long. But if he can do it after his battle, if I can do it after losing my daughter, I have no doubt in my mind that you can do it too. So thank you for, as we wrap this up, I just have a couple questions to ask you, but before I do that, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story. I know it's a difficult one to tell. I'm sure. Thank, yeah. thank you for sharing your heart, uh, being vulnerable. Um, I think it's what makes a man, a man. And, um, I'm just really appreciate you. So I, I like to ask this question. You and I are both God's men. And so we both good know job. that heaven exists, uh, but this I is the question is if heaven exists, I threw some what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Good job. <laughs> I like that. I like that. You made the best of it. You fought. You're an example, a shining light, or as I like to say, a lighthouse. Um, so, Yeah, I know you will, you will share with me and I'll put it there and I have it, but I'll get all the confirmation and we'll share your journey on Instagram so people can go check it out. I highly recommend it. It's so powerful. It brought me to tears and it, it helped me because when I went home and I, I watched it, I mean, I was bawling, not because Well, for many reasons, but I was really crying because I was like, man, I'm a selfish son of a bitch. You know, here I'm, I'm mourning and crying over the loss of my daughter and look what this man went through physically, emotionally. And you kept a smile on your face the whole time, dude. It's like, you know, and the whole thing behind my podcast, human beings are resilient, you know, and every day you can decide to fight or retreat. I,
1: and I know I'm a uh, fighter. I know. I, right. I, I added a little humor. So my last in, in question my is this: response to this. Uh, What's the mark you want to leave? Uh, I'm no uh, no Steve Jobs. I'm no Albert Einstein. And I will leave the solving of the mysteries of the universe to other people more suited to the task. Um, I think you know that's that's me and my response to try and just uh, you know get across that I, I'm a I'm a humble man and I think. My, my marker on the world uh, goes as far as uh, my children and my relationships. Uh, the people that I interact with uh, will be the ones that, that remember me. You know, my kids will uh, you know, be around uh, a lot longer than me, uh, hopefully. Uh, I've made some good decisions uh, in my time uh, as a dad that they may remember that one day and go, God, you know, dad did it this way. Maybe that was pretty good. Maybe I'll give that a shot. Or dad, dad always said this, you know, that was, that makes a lot of sense now, uh, you know, at, at that point in their lives. Um, just trying to uh, leave more positivity in my wake than negativity, I think is, uh, is what I'd like to be remembered for. You know, cause I, I have certainly, I have certainly had my moments where I have been a jerk or I've made some, you know, decisions that just, man, in hindsight, I probably could yeah. have not done that and it would have been okay. Um, but if I think at the end of the day, after I'm gone and in the ground, if people can, can think back and go, yeah, you know, he was a good, he was a good husband. He was a good dad. He was, he was a good friend. You know, um, I think I'd, I'd consider that a victory.
0: Yeah, I think you've done that already. You have shown people. Uh, look at the example you've set for your children about going through one of life's greatest adversities and keeping a positive, hopeful attitude. Uh, You've already succeeded that my friend. And you know, I just, again, I thank you for your time today. I thank you for being here. And what I want to say to my listeners is, look, you might be going through dark times. Right now it might be financial. Right now it might be fear, but you're listening to two gentlemen who've been through one of life's toughest things and you can choose to fight. You can find hope in the darkness Lean on us. We'll be the lighthouse for you to lead you out of the darkness. And uh, I'll wrap up with saying to my friend Michael Davis, oh, Mike, I love you, brother. I, I appreciate you. You're such an amazing man. What you're doing. Um, and I'm honored to have you to as a friend. As well. um, and uh, nothing but
1: respect. Just keep leading with you your heart, well, brother. Of the 20 plus years we've known each other. And um, I like what you said about the lighthouse. And I'm, I'm right there with you.
0: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, listen, guys, if you like this, like it, share it, subscribe to it, let us know if we can help you. And remember, it all starts with a decision. Thank you for joining us on another episode of The Daily Decision. If you like what you hear, please do us a favor, share it, like it, subscribe to it, tell your friends about it. And remember, it all starts with a decision.